ship What a joy to find Leaning on the everlasting arms Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at St. Luke's Church in Camillus, New York. Today we're looking at the story of the Good Samaritan and the power of grace. This is the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance the priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan while traveling came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna. Blessed Please be seated. It will not be a surprise to some of you to learn that I am something of a picky eater. <laughs> there are certain things that I just don't eat and I have very strong feelings and ideas about things that I do eat. I don't eat condiments. I don't like ketchup. I don't like mustard. I don't like mayonnaise. I think potato salad is an abomination. <laughs> and I don't eat pickles. I have very strong feelings also about pizza. Pizza, when I was a child especially, pizza was sauce and cheese and pepperoni. Anything else is not pizza. <laughs> pizza is sauce and cheese and pepperoni. Maybe just cheese if we're out of pepperoni, 
and maybe in a real pinch some Italian sausage, but never hamburger because no sensible person puts hamburger on a pizza because pizza is sauce and cheese and pepperoni. <laughs> and I didn't just make this up out of my own mind. This was tradition. My mother also only eats pepperoni. Sauce and cheese and pepperoni. That is pizza. And if you were to come to my house and we were having pizza, that's the pizza you would get because that's the only kind of pizza there is. <laughs> and this seems like a really small and kind of silly and petty thing, this feeling that I had that pizza had to be sauce and cheese and pepperoni and nothing else would count as pizza. And as I grew in my life, of course, I had to impose this idea on others, which perhaps they suffered from. I mean, you know, eating pepperoni pizza, if you don't really want pepperoni pizza, is probably not the worst thing in the world that could happen to you. But, you know, if you wanted something like Hawaiian, like who puts pineapple on pizza? If you wanted something like Hawaiian, then you would have to go get your own pizza because my pizza has pepperoni. <laughs> and it's really small, but, you know, I think that we go through life, a lot of us, I know I have, and I know I know other people who have, who go through life feeling this sort of idea, the way I feel about pizza, about lots of other things, right? That they receive some wisdom, maybe it's tradition, maybe they learned it at home, but that is the truth. And anything else apart from that is wrong. In the same way that hamburger is an abomination unto the Lord, other people feel that way about what kind of toys children should play with. You know, we run into this a lot because we have little kids that, you know, uh, if Patrick wants to play with, with a doll, there are lots of people who want to tell him that boys don't do that. Well, why not? Don't they grow up to take care of children too? Or... Or girls have to be worried about what boys think all the time. Now, personally, as a boy, I've benefited from this, and I think it's wonderful. <laughs> On the other hand, my wife has very different feelings. And as I look at my daughter growing up, I don't want her to be held back by some other people's prejudices and biases. I want her to be everything that she can be and so it frustrates me when we run across these sort of silly rules about how boys and girls should act. But we also have this idea about lots of other things. We have this idea about people of, who are different from us, maybe people from different countries or people from, who, who have different um, ancestral backgrounds, right? People who are people of color or or uh, people who are, are gay, people who are different from us in some sort of way. And we say to people who, who come from different cultures than ours, who eat different food, that their food isn't, isn't the right kind of food. You shouldn't eat fish heads and rice for breakfast. You should have bacon and eggs. But if you come from Japan, fish heads and rice seems like the perfect thing to have for breakfast. And who would eat bacon? That's gross. Actually, I was in Malaysia. They don't have bacon in Malaysia because they're all Muslims. They, they don't eat pork. And so they had beef bacon. If you ever have the opportunity, don't eat beef bacon. <laughs> that, that truly is an abomination, let me tell you. <laughs> but 
we have this idea and we receive this wisdom about how the world is, about how, how people of color aren't, don't do things right, or how gay people's love isn't real love, or, or all sorts of things. How, how people of different political ideas are beyond the pale and how can we forgive them for the choices they make. We run into that a lot in our culture today. And for the most part, most of these things, these rules that we've received are, are as ridiculous as my rule about pepperoni pizza. It works good for me. I really like pepperoni pizza, but maybe it doesn't work for you. But it doesn't matter because it's the received rule. And if you're going to be with me, that's the rule you have to live by. And we live our lives with all of these sort of accumulated rules and traditions and ideas that really don't serve us very well. Because I got to a point in my life where my insistence that the only kind of pizza was sauce and cheese and pepperoni got in the way of my being able to eat. Because I would occasionally find myself at some event where they had ordered pizza and the only thing available would be barbecue chicken pizza. <laughs> barbecue chicken pizza? That's not pizza. Pizza is sauce and cheese and pepperoni. And so I had one day an epiphany. It's true that the only real pizza is sauce and cheese and pepperoni. On the other hand, there are lots of other delicious things you can put on round bread. <laughs> and so if I just thought of it as delicious things on round bread, well, that wasn't so bad then. I wasn't breaking my rule, and yet I still got to eat other delicious things. In a sense, that, that is, that's, that's grace, right? That's how grace works. That when we have our eyes opened to seeing the reality in front of us in a new way that reduces a barrier and whose barrier's only purpose was to make my life harder. That's grace. And essentially, that's what's happening in this parable of the Good Samaritan. Right, because to remember the story, there's a man who's on the road and he is assaulted by robbers who beat him and leave him on the side of the road half dead. So he's, you know, he's probably bloodied and beaten and he's laying there, probably moaning or something like that. And three people, Jesus says, walks by. The priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. And the priest and the Levite, when they see the injured man, they go to the other side of the road. And I'm sure many of us have been walking down a road when we see someone that we are irrationally concerned about and move over to the other side of the road so that we don't have to confront or deal with the reality of that person. I know I've done it. I'm sure many of us here have. And they have good reasons, the priest and the Levite, just as we felt that we had good reasons for the choices we make. Because the priest, he's on his way to the temple. He, he has to go do his temple duties, his responsibilities. He has to offer the sacrifices of the people. And he can't be touching bloody people because that will make him unable to do the work that he's supposed to be doing. So he's serving in his mind, I'm sure, the greater purpose. If I go and help this person, then I can't offer the sacrifices of all those people. And those poor people, they won't have anybody to offer sacrifices. Because, you know, I'm like the only priest in the world. Probably not. The Levite, similarly, the Levite, if we remember, is another servant of the temple who had resp important responsibilities. 
And he also would have been affected by going and helping uh, an injured person who was, who was bloodied and hurt. And it, you know, also there's like, it's gonna take up time and I don't know when I'll be able to get away and it's such a commitment, I don't know if I'm ready for that commitment. And so it's easier just to pretend that it isn't there and walk on by. And then Jesus tells us a Samaritan is walking by. And it's really hard for us to understand how shattering it would have been for Jesus' hearers to hear Jesus say, a Samaritan walked by. Because Samaritans are terrible people. Everybody knows Samaritans are terrible people. It's tradition. <laughs> right? For us, it would be like Jesus saying, and then an Islamic terrorist walked by. That's how they would have heard it. They would have been aghast that someone so antithetical to their understanding of who is good and who belongs and who is a true member of God's family. And if we know one thing, we know that the Samaritans are not. Because Samaritans are sauce and cheese and pepperoni. So Jesus says this Samaritan comes by and not only does he go to help this person, he goes out of his way. He is radically generous in his care. He doesn't just go over and say, hey, are you okay? He tends his wounds. He picks him up. He puts him on his own animal. He takes him to an end. He spends his own money and promises more, whatever it takes. There's no limit. He doesn't say, here's two denarii. I'll give you two more when I get back. Do what you can. He's like, I will repay you whatever it costs. He is radically generous in his care for a stranger that he knows nothing about. As far as he knows, the person who's helping him hates Samaritans, like everybody else. That doesn't stop him. He helps him anyway. That, too, is an example of grace. It's God's opening our eyes to see a different reality, to see the world the way that God sees the world. And the thing is that when God looks down upon creation, we remember from the creation story, God looked down on the creation, including us, and said, it is good. And yet we know from our day-to-day -day experience that there is a lot that is not good. But that not good comes from our own blindness, our own unthinking adherence to ridiculous rules that have been passed down to us about what is real and what is not. What is true and what is not? What is right? What is wrong? Right? Because if we are going to go through our lives insisting that pizza can only have one topping, we will never be open to the amazing options of things to put on bread that are delicious. In the same way that if we go through our lives insisting that only our interpretation and our experience is valid and true and real, we close ourselves off not only to the, the wonderful, diverse opportunities and ideas and tastes and, and relationships that are possible in the world, but more importantly, we close our eyes to the invitation that Christ offers us see the world as God does, as good, as beautiful, as the people we encounter are equally children of God as we are. And when we can soften our hearts, if we can open our eyes 
to new possibilities if we can receive the grace that Christ offers us in his sacrifice and in his invitation to our lives, then we will be open to amazing, remarkable generosity. We can do amazing things. But the most important thing that happens when we, we open our eyes and our hearts to the grace that Christ offers us is that we can feel in our deepest selves the love that God has for each of us. Amen. <laughs>